the spirituality of our biblical ancestors was shaped and nourished by the very land that they inhabited. For them, to be close to the land was to be close to God. And to be close to God was to honor the land that was the physical habitus of the mysterious presence of God in their life. It's no wonder that they spoke of the promised land, not only as the place where they sought their freedom and their livelihood, but also as the image of what God had in store for them in the glorious end of time. The desert and the mountain for generations of both First and Second Testament people are the biblical terrains of a divine encounter and for human soul searching. The desert became that symbol and also that very place of testing, especially in their 40-year journey from captivity. And generations later, it was the place where Jesus himself spent 40 days, we are told, in the same kind of self-searching. It was a place where people found hope, a hope that was ignited by the prophets and where their expectation for freedom became their vision. The mountain, the mountain was the place of encounter, an encounter with the voice and the presence of God. It was a place of revelation. In the imagery of Isaiah, it would be a place where God would host a magnificent banquet, the kind that only God could prepare. In our own imagination, I think that each of us might be able to name a time of desert and a time of a mountain experience, and maybe more than one, maybe several of each. Times when we knew a spiritual struggle and times when the fullness of grace was nourished and celebrated and our spirits and our journey was praiseworthy. In both those times and in so many other moments and experiences, we reached deep into our hearts because we believe in a God who finds a way when there is no way, even in the desert. And in this moment that we are now present to, wherever we are in our journey, we have that reassuring voice of Isaiah. It almost leaps off the pages. A voice cries out, Isaiah says, prepare a highway in the wasteland. Every valley shall be filled in. Every rugged land will become a plain. The glory 
of God shall be revealed, and all people shall see. Isaiah's reconstruction. He's bringing in, if you like, the heavy equipment to bring down the mountains, to fill in the valleys, to smooth out the rugged land. It has no limits in Isaiah's vision for the message for the future of God's people is astounding. Then he tells him, get your sorry selves up to the mountain. Well, he doesn't use, that's my phrase. But get yourselves up to the mountain and fear not. Cry out at the top of your voice. Here is your God. Could anyone ignore such joyful good news? Generations later, there is another desert and another voice that cries out. This time, Mark tells us, the people themselves head out into the desert to see and to hear what Isaiah had once proclaimed. And there they found a voice crying out. There they encountered what we might even imagine to be a kind of crazy person whose name was John, preaching repentance for sin. This was a new kind of reconstruction, a spiritual awakening for the Adventus, the advent of the one who had set them on fire with a baptism the likes of which they had never known. What John asks of them and of us today is to embrace a future that we do not yet know, one that will transform the past. And they and we must first remember, however, that promise of God from those ancient words, a God who asks us to trust that what God has promised will come to pass in our midst. What John asks of them, and what Isaiah had asked of the Israelites, and what Jesus asks of us, is to imagine that what is yet to be is already unfolding. It is already shaping us as we shape the world around us. If we live then, the scriptures seem to say, if we live as if we have, as if we are saved, then we will be filled with hope. If we live as if we are loved by a compassionate God, then we will love back. And if we live as if we are free from sin, we will live in the freedom of grace. If we cannot imagine the promise of God being fulfilled in this moment, in this day, in this present, we will fear the future and we will never make it up the mountain. 
The call of Isaiah, the call of the Baptist, reaches our ears this Advent. It is a call of great hope. Not to obliterate mountains or to build highways in the wilderness, but to break open our hearts to receive the astonishing news of salvation. It is a call to hope that is so contagious that we will find a way when there seems to be no way at all. It is a call to a new energy for the deeds that must be done and the words that must be spoken and the songs that must be sung and all of them will cry out only this. Here is your God.